Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of Our Three Cents, a podcast that celebrates the very finest video games. My name is Jonathan Dunn and I am joined by two friends, a childhood friend in the form of Chris Dow. With HD Rumble, you can feel the ice cubes. And my dear adulthood friend, Minty Booth. Watermelon and sweat. <laughs> we have decided to take a break from our usual countdown of our all-time favourite video games to pull on our neatest shorts, pop on a pair of mirrored sunnies, <laughs> slather our pasty selves from top to bottom in Factor 50, and get ready to bask in the literal and figurative sunshine of a summer of gaming. Yes. <laughs> As a gamer, certainly in the earlier days when most gaming was restricted to an indoor activity, before the days of smartphones, handhelds with Wi-Fi, or simply backlit screens, <laughs> to make the choice between spending our precious holiday time either in the glorious sunshine of the idyllic childhood summer, or cooped up inside playing on your Sega Saturn slash PlayStation, was an easy choice to make for me. I stayed inside. <laughs> and got progressively pastier. Indeed. Even if we did venture outside, we would just be desperately trying to find a spot of shade to harvest some moons, awaken some links, or just to simply put some monsters in your pocket. <laughs> Between the ice-cold Capri Suns and sunburnt seaside mini-golf tournaments, we have forged our own summer video gaming memories, and we would like to present a picnic of thoughts for you on summertime video games past, present, and future. Ooh. So, <laughs> would you like to share some of your poignant summer video game memories? Minty? Sure, yeah. Interesting that, uh, that your very florid introduction introduced uh, the concept of consoles which had upon them bestowed the gifts of Wi-Fi and a backlit screen. Mm. Because uh, whenever we went on holiday, it was either for a day to uh, to visit my aunt down in Eastbourne, mm. or it would just be like a weekend thing during half term. Because just because it was a summer holiday for for me as a as a young as a little lad in school, doesn't mean that it was a summer holiday for uh, my parents. So uh, whenever we did go on holiday, uh, my gaming would be restricted to the car journeys. Until fairly recently, a portable system never had a backlight. Hmm. The first one was, was it the Game Boy Advance SP? It was. Yeah, and that was that was two thousand and three. Although there was the Game Boy Light, which was it wasn't released over here. It was yeah. basically the Game Boy Pocket with a backlit screen. So up until two thousand and one, I had uh, I had a Game Boy Pocket mm. and later a Game Boy Color. So I'd sort of try and get like, try and get the good angle. And sort of try and uh, play Link's Awakening or Mario and Yoshi or games like that, and try and time it so that uh, I didn't make have to do any sort of meaningful moves when I was outside of the watchful gaze of a streetlight. Mm. <laughs> Changed a little in two thousand and one because uh, I got a Game Boy Advance with a with a couple Min of accessories, miniature street lamp, <laughs> the worm light, a miniature street lamp. Yes, yeah, that little sort of clamshell uh, street lamp. It was really good, and it meant that I could uh, I could play it in the dark, or more crucially, in the garden. Mm. Any time you wanted to enjoy Pokemon Red, you had to hoof out the desk lamp and yeah. sort of play it in the shade underneath that light, which that just ruined the whole point of enjoying video games in the summer. Indeed, indeed. 
As for myself, there's a whole bunch of games that I weirdly associate with summer, much like when I mentioned in the Christmas episode and how I associated Eternal Darkness with jolly old Saint Nick (laughs) because I got it for my birthday, which is in December. So weirdly, the video game that most gets me in the mood for summer is Resident Evil 4. Oh, just a summery game. My main memory of playing that was indoors with the windows open and the smell of summer breeze wafting through my bedroom mm. and, and and also i weirdly associate it with an obscure progressive rock supergroup album release that came out at the same time as well oh. and this was the album picture by a band called kino which featured, among others, the wonderful bass guitar brilliance of Marillion's Pete Trawavis. <laughs> <laughs> and so even now, when I get that first smell of, of summer gently drifting through my, my window, I want to plug in my GameCube, whack on Loser's Day Parade, and get knee-deep in some infected, aggressive, non-specific Hispanics. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, would you care to share a video gaming memory of your summer's past? Yes, I can. I've got two two little nuggets from from growing up, both to do with the Game Boy. As you mentioned, that being outdoors, and being able to play games is, was was a big thing. But but the first one was more that I remember going to visit some of my extended family down in Bournemouth and going to a local shop to buy something to play en route on my Game Boy. And because we didn't have the internet, we didn't have a way of actually knowing about anything, I picked up a game called Dino Blaster for the Game Boy, mm. uh, which I wouldn't realise until years and years later was actually just a rebranded name because it came out with a different name in Europe of a very, very popular series that has had hundreds of entries. Do either of you know what Dino Blaster is? So shoot them up in a canteen. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> No, it, it was actually the European name for Bomberman. Oh, really? Yeah, so the, so the, the first release, at least, uh, on the Game Boy, and I, I think possibly the, the NES as well, uh, was released as Dino Blaster in this country for, for reasons unknown. How about that? So there we go. Um, so yeah, I remember picking that up and then finding out that it was something I didn't, didn't know what it was and then realising later. But more, more importantly, I remember sitting in the garden in, in the summer, probably when I was maybe 10 years old, with my big, chunky, original black and white Game Boy, or green and darker green Game Boy. Fifty Shades of Green, the Game Boy story. <laughs> I, I had a nice nice yellow one a big big chunky yellow Game Boy and I remember sitting in the garden next to we had like a little goal set up because my brother was big into football when I was big into games as a kid and uh, my dad was firing his uh, best <laughs> top corner shots at my brother in goal I'm sure my brother was wearing full Arsenal goalkeeping kit at the time gloves and all including a David Seaman moustache <laughs> <laughs> yeah which he'd, which he'd uh, crudely drawn on with a sharpie <laughs> but no after one of uh, Tom's particularly excellent saves he tipped the ball onto my Game Boy, which then would go on to have a big line through the screen for the next two years until I got my Game Boy Color oh. that Dad refused to replace. <laughs> I, I, I said at the time it was his fault. You know, it wasn't Tom's fault. Dad was the one who took the shot. Exactly. He should pay for the Game Boy. And he never did. So, yeah, I'm still waiting. Maybe, maybe for my 33rd birthday, I will, I will get a new Game Boy. Maybe. So, moving on, we've each picked a more specific game to talk about. One that sums up the feeling of the warm, lazy summer, the fun in the sun, or just dwelling on the blue sky idyll that our souls yearn for. Minty, would you like to start us off again with a game that that really sums up the summer experience? The the summeriest video game experience I've had, which I'm not going to be talking about quite far down the line, because my 
enduring summer memories of playing video games are literally in my top five. It's actually a game on the Nintendo Wii. This was a console that took video gaming out of a smelly teen's bedroom and into the front room of the family house where mums and dads could enjoy... Of all shapes and sizes. Of all shapes and sizes, they could enjoy arbitrarily waving a stick around and uh, pretending that that had any bearing on the game of tennis that was happening on the screen. Mm. And as time went on, just sort of shifting their balance slightly on a on like a big old mat, which also had some, uh, some fitness applications, I mm. believe. And that was really when those two spheres came together being an avid video gamer and somebody who got taken on holiday every now and then. I remember very vividly, I think in 2007, I think either the Wii Fit had been out for a little while or it was like a hot new thing. Uh, but my cousin bought one to our little Devonshire getaway. And as all the grown-ups were enjoying their, their, their morning coffee and eggs, we would all... Uh, in rampant defiance of the weather, would be playing the ski jump game on the Wii Fit. Surprisingly responsive. Very, very <laughs> responsive. There's always that that compunction during the summer to be active. Mm. Being able to uh, exercise in the very loosest sense of the word while the TV screen was showing uh, something happening as a result of your actions brought those two together. The summariest game that I'm going to talk about is on the Wii Fit, and it's the one where you would put the Wiimote in your pocket and you would just sort of run on the spot and your me would run around the Wii Fit island. It's really nice. <laughs> I really like that. It is really nice. Yeah, I really liked it too. It was it was summery, but you didn't have to go outside. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you very much for that, Minty. For me, a few games sort of came to mind immediately. And, and like you, there's games that are going to feature in my list later on that, you know, re really remind me of summer, uh, but also are, are just idyllic blue sky games like Super Mario Sunshine, spoiler alert. Oh, yeah. Or Stardew Valley. Wait, is Super Mario Sunshine summery? It's sunny, isn't it? It's splashing around in the sun with water. Mario on holiday. He goes on holiday. Mario with a water jetpack defeating Bowser. Summary. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but my pick is a game that's a little bit more left field because the game I'd like to talk about is Firewatch. Oh. So for those who haven't played Firewatch, it is, it's a sort of interactive story adventure game developed by a company called Campo Santo. And the story follows a fire lookout chap called Henry, set in a heavily forested national park in America. And it's set in the late 80s after I think there have been some fairly infamous fires in the Yellowstone National Park that, that actually sort of took place. So it's, it, it was quite a big fear for, for many other sort of national parks that this might, this might happen again. And this man has taken up a job to, to watch the fires, to watch the fires. Mm. hence the name of the game. Watchfire. And <laughs> soon after he starts the isolated job, strange things begin happening to him and his supervisor, Delilah, which connects to a 
conspired mystery that happened years ago. Now, you interact with Delilah using a walkie-talkie, so you never see her in person. You just have her voice coming through on the other end of this walkie-talkie, and your exchanges with Delilah inform the process by which their relationship is developed. And the choices that you make in the dialogue impact that as well. And then the story just very slowly unfolds to uncover this mystery involving characters from... Delilah's past in the park and also from Henry's past to explain just sort of how he ended up taking a job so remote and isolated. So for starters, it's an absolutely stunning game from a visual perspective. It uses cell shaded design to render the park and the colour palette is just drenched in the sort of oranges and yellows and browns of a lazy summer's evening. And the atmosphere the game creates using these aesthetics and as moody minimalist soundscape really sort of underpins this sense of isolation. It's absolutely incredible. And there's something very simultaneously lonely about the experience, but also quite comforting and safe about this isolation as you sort of slowly take your time in the dying sunshine and the long shadows to explore your surroundings and uncover more of the story. Now, for me, certainly as a child, summertime is always a bit of a mixed affair. And... So whilst I, you know, I definitely look forward to having time off from studying, I also ended up having quite a lot of fear about having a great stretch of time without having much to occupy me. And I mean, I suffered with anxiety. I mean, I, I still suffer with anxiety now, but I was definitely a very sort of anxious child. And at the time, it wasn't really recognized as the mental health condition that you know, I could legitimately actually have today. And having all this sort of time and space to myself and my thoughts meant that my long summers would often turn from being fun and playful until then my mind started going in its unoccupied sort of state into overdrive. And I would sort of then turn to feeling quite agitated, troubled and quite lonely. And even even when I was at university, like those really long summers, like having such a stretch away from like newfound friends and newfound independence. And, you know, I would, my mind again would just sort of really run away with me and all of a sudden I'd be, yeah, not really having a terribly good time because there was so much time on my hands. Obviously things are very different now where I am today. And that's partly because I'm self-employed and I can control how I spend my time. And I'm in a place where I've tackled my mental health problems and come to a place of stability with that. And so I no longer fear the summer in the same way I did. I mean, not at all. Um, I mean, I mainly now my biggest summer worries are hydration and underwatering the garden. <laughs> hydrate or dehydrate. <laughs> but there's there's something that in Firewatch that really kind of encapsulates that mixed emotion that comes with summer. It's this bittersweet melancholy of a, a lonely summer that whilst is the rest and the space and the relaxation is very positive but also comes with a whole load of negatives as well and certainly as the character reflects on his own past and how he's ended up coming to be there it was really yeah i really felt it was a really sort of powerful poignant experience and i would yeah i think i would hi- i mean i highly recommend the game to anyone and uh certainly for me it was something that really yeah rang rang true with uh a summer experience for, for the good and and a little bit of the bad but uh but in a, in, a, in a very, very beautiful way. I think it's an amazing game. And I won't say very much because I will probably <laughs> be talking about it another another day in the future. But 
if, if nothing else, the, the stuff you say about the atmosphere mm. and the look of it, and and particularly, I think that the writing and the voice acting is stunning, like really, yeah. really, really good. Some of the best stuff I've seen in, in any games. Yeah, it, it really does capture the feeling you've just described of, of summer having kind of like a, a two-pronged thing to it, that it's, it's mm. for, you know, for people, it's not always this really positive thing. You know, it, it kind of carries other other feelings with it. And yeah, what a game. Chris, moving on to you, can you tell us about a your summary video game? Yes, I can. I'm a school teacher and the summer holiday is particularly important to me because it means I get essentially six weeks to relax and not think about school, but also to properly play games and, and catch up on stuff that I've missed and things like that. And it feels like the, the summer holiday, even if I don't go away, you know, a lot of teachers, as soon as the, the bell goes on the final day, they're, they're on a plane somewhere, they're, they're driving abroad, they're, they're doing something. For me, it feels like just being at home sometimes is a vacation because I'm not thinking about school in the same way. Yeah. And the game I've picked out as, as exemplifying that feeling is just called Go Vacation. <laughs> oh, uh, yes. And it was uh, a, a mini game collection that was originally on the Wii. Uh, and then years later, for reasons largely unknown to me, <laughs> was re-released for the Switch. And this time around was published by Nintendo. So they, they took it from, I think it was uh, Bandai Namco, possibly the first time around. Yeah. And they decided, yeah, we, we want this aging minigame collection. Let's whack it on the on the Switch. And it's, it's a game that originally, certainly on the Wii, I had zero interest in, absolutely none. That on paper, it is essentially just, it looks like a Wii Sports Resort knockoff, kind of riding that wave that as Minty said every home has a Wii or had a Wii certainly at that time and when the kind of the excitement around Wii Sports and Wii Sports Resort died down people were just clamouring for anything that had that same sort of party family feel Yeah. and I think this came out essentially like I said off the back of that wave but when it was then announced for the Switch I saw lots of either journalists I follow or kind of other kind of commentators and things on Twitter and, and other places online who's generally you know their opinions are quite respected suddenly they were really bigging up this game as, as being something that was like worth checking out. And as I always do, I got swept up in the moment and was like, right, I'm going to go and pick up Go Vacation then. Apparently that's the game for me, <laughs> even though I wasn't going to be playing it with a family or, or in that sort of situation. Yeah. But what sets it apart and, and makes it a, an actually decent game is that you know, there were a lot of island-themed minigame collections on the Wii. Like, by God, there were a lot of island-themed minigame collections on the Wii. <laughs> but for this one, there's there's the breadth of activities in it. So there's like 50-odd events, games, whatever you want to call them. But the thing that, that makes it more interesting is it is it has kind of like an almost open-world wrapper to it. So you, you visit four different distinct resorts. And for each of them, they're all stuffed full of these games, obviously, that you're, you're finding. But also you've got hidden collectibles. You've got like animals to find and photograph, you know, kind of like Breath of the Wild, but nowhere near as nice. But the same sort of principle. <laughs> um, you've got the little treasure chests to find that you kind of get given little uh, text clues on loading screens as to where they are. There's, there's little food trucks to find to, again, fill up like a little library of which meals you've eaten. Aww. There's little like challenge races with other kind of non-player characters. And there's just, there's far more to it than, you know, a lot of these other games that were just a menu saying, do you want to play air hockey again for the 15th collection? <laughs> you know, th there's more to it because of all this extra stuff. Yeah. And it's a game that, that ought to be shit. Like you pick, you pick it up it should be shit. and yet somehow it, it quits itself as not being shit at all. Uh, and, and this is for me who played it primarily solo. Like I wasn't playing with anyone really. I just like <laughs> spent a few weekends chopping through a lot of it and, and really enjoyed just being in that place. Yeah. And it's kind of, there's something about it as well, like walking about the environments because of the age it is, it feels almost like a, a lost Dreamcast game. 
in that you've got bright blue skies, you've got kind of poorly rendered trees in the background, you've got smeary textures that look like Sonic Adventure when that first came out. Oh, yeah. know, looking back at it now, everything has like a weird Vaseline sheen on it, almost like N64 <laughs> games. And because of these things, it's like, it's a game that makes me feel quite nostalgic, even though I never played the original. Yeah. So it's not like I'm looking back at Go Vacation and thinking all oh, those summers I spent with my family playing uh, <laughs> jet ski racing or whatever. It's, it's purely just because it evokes something about those type of games I really enjoy, like that sort of era. Yeah. The events themselves, real mixed bag as they always are. So you've got mini golf, pretty good. Some of the racing ones, pretty good. Skydiving, pretty dull. Mm. Water gun battles, bit of a laugh, you know, quite fun. There's, there's like a motor fest, it's called, which is exciting only because when I was driving around for a while, I realised that all the cars are from Ridge Racer. Ah. So technically, this game is in the Ridge Racer canon uh, because the the same publisher, yeah, the same publisher originally. The fishing's pretty good because fishing games normally are. Yeah. There's, there's pie throwing, which is stupid. There's, there's jet ski, like I mentioned earlier, which is just a bit awkward. So it's it's like a real a real spread of stuff to do. But all of those games, whether they're good or bad, they all have kind of requirements that you need to meet and master that let you then unlock keys to get other rewards, like kind of uh, cosmetic things for your character or your little kind of villa house. And they're not particularly tough, but it's really remarkable how much game is actually in what should just be a real throwaway collection of things. Yeah. And I just, I find it really, really odd that this much effort was put into something that I can't imagine many people cared about. And the people who did buy it, wouldn't have enjoyed any of this stuff because they're the ones who would have gone I just want more bowling I just want more tennis <laughs> so I, I don't really know who this was, was marketed at yeah and yeah I mean as I say I played it mainly solo I'm just a big misery guts who never plays with other people so it might be great in multiplayer but you know I can't really comment on those <laughs> but it's a summary game it's summer right now I'm not at school anymore and I'm, mm. I'm going to play it tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So finally, before we go, looking forward into this summer that we are currently enjoying, what games do we recommend for people to spend their summer playing? So my summer is an open book because uh, my wife goes back to America uh, tomorrow for a couple of months. I'm, I'm heading out in like three weeks. So I've got, yeah, so I've got a few, few weeks to enjoy uh, some summer gaming with a beautiful backlit screen <laughs> on, a, on a portable hybrid system. So I don't have any recommendations because I'm still wrestling with that uh, antithetical nature of uh, video games to the general summer experience. But uh, now that technology has, uh, has leapt forward in the past few years, I'm going to be playing three games. The first of which dropped late last week very surprisingly, which is, of course, Doom 2, which includes the master levels. So I'm very excited to jump back into that. I will also be playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, mm. which I've been waiting for for a very long time. And I'm also going to be playing a game from a independent studio, which I had a very wholesome interaction with on Facebook a couple of days ago. The publisher is uh, Chubby Pixel, <laughs> and the game is called Woodle Tree Adventures. It's a one seventy nine on the eShop, and it's an old school platforming game, and it looks just very bright and summery, and I'm very excited to enjoy it. My recommendation for those certainly with time to kill this summer, unfortunately, it's a game that I have traded in because in terms of having time to kill, I have committed a mass murder of time 
in the form Whoa. of having all the work to mm. do this summer. But if I was a child and it was my summer holiday, I would just be all over Super Mario Maker 2 for the entire summer. Mm. I said this about Nintendo Labo and the Labo garage stuff when you can program your own things. If I had time, I would just love that. Mm. Absolutely love that. And likewise with Mario Maker, for those who do have time to kill, I mean, it's literally an endless supply of Mario levels to play. Like, no matter what your ability level is, there is an endless supply of Mario levels. It's, yeah, it's incredible. And in addition to that, it's also the most incredibly comprehensive creative toolkit outside of Minecraft, probably. And what's that game on the PlayStation? Oh, Dreams. That's the one. But it is an enormous creative toolkit for you to get just deep into and let your imagination run wild, build some absolute masterpieces designed entirely to fuck your friends over. (laughs) Going back to what we said earlier about kind of like childhood memories, I I remember a summer from school holidays when I was probably like eight or nine maybe, where I excitedly connected up my Sonic 3 and Sonic & Knuckles cartridges, relevant because you've talked about it quite recently, both of them, and played through the entire game with all three characters collecting every emerald and hyper emerald or whatever the the secondary set was oh yeah and i think i might do it again oh it's been a long long time since i've really beaten those games 100 percent, and and i think that would be a noble cause because it it harks back to a much simpler time in my life uh and and i think that would be worth a couple days play fantastic that sounds like a great way to spend your summer Mm. so there it is some summer game memories some games some summer games and a summary of some summer games. Oh. <laughs> Please feel free to get in touch with us to share some of your video gaming summer memories or video games that you might be playing this summer. You can find us on Facebook if you search for Our Three Cents, or you can get in touch with us individually. You can find me on Twitter at Jonathan Dunn. You can find me, as always, at Chaz underscore Hodges. I am Minty Booth. In real life and in your computer. (laughs) If you've enjoyed this episode, please do like and subscribe, share it with your friends, leave us a review, check in next week when we return to our usual countdown, and we look forward to talking more about video games into microphones. I love love it. it.